Live. Laugh. How's it going, everybody? This is Daniel. You're listening to Live, Laugh, Lariat. And this week, we are joined by the mad dog himself, Blade Brown. How are you doing tonight? Good, bro. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. You've come from a long line of of dog-associated wrestlers. So I have a question for you going into this. You've got like the junkyard dog, you've got the pit bulls, you've got all these people that like. Who is your favorite dog associated wrestler? Man, I'm gonna have to go with JYD. Oh yeah, has so much done with it. Oh yeah, of course. Like, old New Orleans thing, you know the who that, who that, yeah, who that there is gonna beat that. Oh, he just has so much fun, so much soul with it. So. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, they just did like you've seen the the dark side of the ring. Yeah, they they did one with him, and I don't think a lot of people know just like how big of a star he was before he went to WWE, and they kind of did, didn't really use him that well. But yeah. dude was not only could he like talk, but like I think anybody that got in the ring knew that if they wanted to, like he could beat your ass, like just with a drop of a dime. So, um, which kind of like reminds me of of your character, which we'll get into later. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of a throwback, which I really like. Um, yeah, that's that's really cool. I think Junkyard Dog is is the best choice for that. So nice job on there. Um, but before we get started, where can everybody find you on social media? Do you have any shows coming up that you'd like to promote? Absolutely. Um, so first off, my Instagram, you can find me at Blade underscore MD underscore Brown. My Twitter, um, just a little funky right now. Um, I'm having to reboot it back up, and I I don't know. It's not letting me uh, load my options or anything from the phone, so I'm going to try to load it up from the desktop. Okay. So find me on Instagram, Blade underscore MD okay. underscore Brown, Facebook, Blade Brown, and then upcoming shows, you know, Wrestle Revival August 26th um, for Firestar. I'm going to be there, most likely going to be in this Fatal 4-Way match. Um I'm going to be September 9th. I'll be at Colonial Beach High School in Virginia oh. okay. for Mid-Atlantic Territory Wrestling. And then I'll be back up there at Penn Laird, Virginia for Mid-Atlantic Territory Wrestling. Awesome. And for that Firestar match, that's the one where people have to vote for you, right? Yeah, absolutely, yes. When does the voting end, or is it already ended? So there, it's weird because they're doing a, a pre-vote leading up to the show. Yeah. At the show during the uh, fan fest which is like our pre-show our kickoff show uh, is like a last minute vote okay you know so anything can happen <laughs> yeah so if you're listening to this uh vote blade brown for the the championship match against oliver sawyer i think we'd all like to see oliver sawyer get taken down a peg um but the- whether voted in or not i'm gonna win that fatal four way later right. on that belt's coming home with me at some point so yeah depending on how soon that happens depends on you guys so vote it's on the firestarters social as you can find it um yeah that, we're gonna be there that's gonna be an awesome show stacked card um super excited to see you wrestle again that's always a treat um but you're a wrestler now that wasn't always the case um Everybody kind of starts out as a fan, but where does your journey as a fan begin with professional wrestling? Yeah, man. So I used to stay in the same house with my uncle when I was a real little kid. He's a huge wrestling fan. 
everything, video game shows, all that. So he kind of put me on to it. And I remember I would used to watch him play one of the old WCW uh, Nitro games. Uh-huh. And I would just always thought that game was like really freaking cool. He uh-huh. even hit it once he upgraded systems. And so my first kind of exposure was the video game, WCW Nitro. And I yeah. would see Ray Mysterio Jr. Oh, yeah. Goldberg. You know, those types of guys up there. As far as watching goes, I, I was a little kid. Um, I was spotty here and there. But that era of SmackDown, like 2005, 2006. Oh, yeah. You know, when I, you know when Booker T had just came over and Batista was large and then yeah. Charlie Ashley just popped out. Yep. And Brian Kendrick and Paul Linden are going ham in the tag team. Oh, dude. That, that era where I started watching religiously. Yeah. Self on my own. Yeah. That's this that's exactly what I started watching too. Like everything yeah. you just named. Uh you mentioned Paul London. That dude does not get enough credit. At all. Dude was so good for like just and nobody really talks about him. I know. It's it's insane. Cause he was like talk about a phenomenal athlete. Yeah. Who can I mean, you know, put the spots together and tell crazy good stories. Yeah, of course. Know him anywhere and he gonna make something happen. He yeah. was so. I loved watching them too as a kid. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, the Heidenreich came in at that time, which was weird. Uh, where they did the the Road Warriors thing that was kind of forced. But that yeah. that was like, yeah, Batista. Uh, you had the Eddie and Ray, uh, Dominic. Like that was that's my childhood. I I just started rewatching that because I want to find the exact episode that I started watching. Uh-huh. And it's like nostalgia. If you ever get a chance, like it's really cool because you can kind of like be a kid again. But yeah, I, I'm definitely familiar with that time um, period. What about wrestling? Kind of drew you in as a kid? Uh, man, it was just always the stories, like the the big powerful moves and stuff. That was cool, yeah. but it was always the stories because I would just be watching and like. Like, 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 for example, MVP, when he first popped oh, out, yeah. and he was, like, just cocky, talking junk, this, that, and the third. And he had the balls to get into it with Kane and the brothers. Yeah. So it was just like, yo, this man is out of his mind. Does he know what he's doing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's just like those stories, just like those moments where it's just like, yo, that really just happened. Yeah. It was always just the stories and the progression of things and how they – I always, it always kept me coming back. Like, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen yeah. next? Happen next? Like, yeah. those two hours wasn't enough, man. I needed more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I didn't get cable, so it was always, like, just SmackDown for me. Like, Same. Raw, Raw happened, but, like, it wasn't until a couple of years until I, like, figured out who Triple H was. So that was kind of wild. Um, you mentioned um, the, the stories. What are some of the stories that kind of, like, really drew you in? Um you can remember like a, a favorite match or like a favorite feud that led up to a match. Oh man, probably the one uh, Ray Mysterio back in 2006 that really hooked me. Ray Mysterio, uh, we had an I quit match with Chavo, oh. and Chavo busted up his knee, and Chavo went on. Uh, you know, Ray Mysterio was out of action. And Chavo kind of went on the next few months until Ray Mysterio came back, kind of taunting him and, uh, you know, just going in at him and mocking him at one point. I remember he came out 
in a Rey Mysterio, you know, outfit and whatever. And I mean, I was a kid, so I was like, oh man, Rey Mysterio's back. Came back soon, didn't expect it. Yeah, you gotcha. And then, and then I started watching him. And he just looks so, you know, nobody can replicate Rey Mysterio. He just looks so goofy in the ring. I was like, man, that ain't Rey Mysterio. <laughs> that mask came off. I saw it was Chavo. I was just like, bro, I can't wait till this man gets beat. Yeah. So, and then watching Rick finally come back at SummerSlam and he was all silvered out, knee is fine. And yeah. it was probably that story right there that really had me. Yeah. I just yeah. couldn't come back and get his revenge. Yeah. Rey Mysterio is my favorite wrestler. I like my, uh, on my emails, it was like Daniel Britton 619, like <laughs> gmail.com because of that when I was real little. It was probably like AOL.com back then. But um, did you have somebody that you like absolutely hated? Like not because they were bad, but because they were like so good that they just like, oh, this dude, I I hope he really gets beat. For me, that was honestly, that was Vince McMahon. Yeah. Like he used to like, you know, he you know, Vince, he's honestly yeah. probably greatest heel of all time if you really think about it. Cause that man, like, you hated him so much. He always antagonized my favorite wrestlers. Yeah. Always made their lives ten times harder, and it especially pissed me off with the whole Bobby Lashley thing as a kid. Because I loved Bobby Lashley. Yeah. So after WrestleMania, because you know he was, they, they told the story because he was mad because he had to get his head shaped off. So he made Lashley's life a living hell. Uh-huh. Wouldn't leave him alone. Like yeah, Vince McMahon. So anytime somebody got their hands on Vince, I was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people are saying that today but for different reasons but um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i hated do you remember king booker yeah he really like i was like this dude sucks like, <laughs> i remember uh edge you remember it was edge when he beat john cena at the new year's revolution yep. that oh. was like and then he has the sex celebration the next night i was like like those were times where i was like this this motherfucker like <laughs> like um but yeah, that I don't. I don't think that era gets a lot of credit for what it was like. Because right before it, you have like Kurt Angle and uh, yeah. Rock Lesnar and all that stuff. But like that was prime time. Like The Undertaker, Teddy Long, uh, who's also underrated. Just you got a one-on-one match with The Undertaker like every week or a tag team match. Just like awesome, dude. That- uh, what's that? I said, yeah, that time was definitely amazing. Yeah. Um, at what point did you start thinking that this is something that you wanted to do? Um. So it was honestly like around that same time. I think when Bobby Lashley first popped out, because I never yeah. wanted a wrestler. Like I was just watching it, watching. But when I actually first saw Bobby Lashley and, you know, I'm black. Yeah. He's black. He's huge. Bobby Lashley was my motivation for working out and all that type of stuff. So I was like, yo, I could be just like him. Yeah. It was kind of when Bobby Lashley really came out and started kind of, you know, you know, showing his dominance all over the place. Yeah. And, of course, you know, like I played football and everything. So I had my NFL dreams and whatnot. Didn't really know how to get into wrestling. But then it was like some point, like in high school, I was just like, yo, my senior year, I was like, yo, I'm about to graduate. I can go play college football. But it's like. I got to find a way to be a wrestler. Like, it's still in me from when I was six. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have to find a way to be a wrestler. Yeah. Uh, where do you, like, how do you go about finding that? For a lot of people, it's just, like, Googling wrestling school near me. Is that the same for you? 
that's exactly what it was. That's the only place I knew where to start because it's like you can find an MMA gym. You can find a bunch of these different places almost on every corner in every major city. But it's like a wrestling. Like, yeah. where is it even located? Yeah. And then I just Googled it, hoping to find something that's not amateur wrestling. I got a bunch mm-hmm. of that popping up. Yeah. I finally I came across Firestar, shot Cozone a message, and things kind of just spiraled after that. Okay. Uh, what was your first day like at Firestar? Do you remember, like, the first time you stepped in the ring? Yeah, so we come in. Cozone talks to us for, like, about like an hour, hour and a half, telling us the ins and outs, what it's going to take, uh-huh. you know, just kind of just giving it all to us straight up, straightforward, right? And then he walks us out to the ring. They're, like, the beginner's class, you know, they're still – and there's some advanced guys in there, but they're, st- they're practicing, by the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he walks us out. This is back on Medley Street. He walks us out, and he just tells us, hey, man, fill the ring out. So I get in there. I just got chills once I got in there. I was like, yo, I'm in a wrestling ring. Yeah. Like, this is childhood dreams coming true. And then he taught us how to bump. And then um, I was so nervous my first time because, you know, I was looking up stuff on the internet. Like, what does a wrestling ring feel like? Yeah. And, you know, from there, you get all sorts of people's opinions or whatnot. Like, oh, it's not bad or whatever. It's just the worst pain I've ever felt. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I paid my money and it ain't yeah. turning out. So it was fun. It was smooth. It was just really surreal for me because it was like, yo, I can actually make this happen. You know? Yeah. So it was surreal. That's how I say it. it was surreal. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say, like, the, like, getting in the ring is like, almost like a dream come true because it's like something you see on tv it's always close but not close enough and then you just get to walk in there it's got to be pretty cool um when you were training did you have any idea of of what you wanted to do what you wanted to be as far as a wrestler goes you're talking about like character wise or yeah like character in ring like kind of what kind of moves you wanted to use so i knew that I wanted to do like a lot of slams <laughs> like, and a lot of throws. Yeah. Belly to belly suplexes, all that stuff. I freaking loved. I've always just had a thing for the big, strong, brawling, powerful dudes. And I yeah, of course. Feel me? As far as character goes, I had bounced around from so many different things in my head at the time. Uh-huh. Um, I settled. I don't want to say settled. I don't want to use that word. It's terrible way to put it yeah but I thought of you know the dog thing because i'm like it's old school and it's cool yeah it's something that's low-key been a part of me like i've just always been i guess you could say taking on a dog-like persona and everything yeah. i can kind of attribute that to my dad yeah because that's just i don't know it's just the way he kind of brought us up yeah and um as far as like the mad dog thing um, there were different types, you know. I thought a wild dog, alpha dog, so many. Uh-huh. I got so many different versions of the dog in my head. So many mm-hmm. different I can portray with it. Like this is really just the beginning. But I yeah. set on mad dogs. I was like, it's simple, it's easy, and you know, it give me a nice start. Yeah, mad dog too is also like you've got like the mad, like angry, but also mad, like there's something like a little bit off. Like mm-hmm. this is a guy that's coming in the ring. You don't know what he's gonna do kind of go anywhere so that's got a, a cool double meeting there um 
were you um you said like a lot of throws a lot of um kind of slams that seems very bobby lashley-esque were you like i'm gonna do all the stuff i've been watching bobby lashley do for all these years uh yeah it was like some of my main lashley uh kurt angle um and then you know monty brown oh yeah you know some of those guys and everything but then you know as time goes on i kind of started learning about uh you know protecting yourselves and your opponent and you Mm. know different things I'm like, yeah, I should probably start investing, like doing some more like finesse moves too, yeah. some cool things. And so I just kind of try to incorporate all of that into the mix. Nice. Um, I know that like um, Cozone gives you guys like a different wrestler each week to kind of look at. Has there been an instance with that where you've like found somebody that you're just like weren't aware of and like kind of fell in love? Like for me recently, like uh, Kenta Kobayashi. Like, I never was familiar, and then, like, I watched, like, an hour-long match of his, and then it was just, like, all I could watch. Have you had a moment like that um, in your training yet? Um, yeah, so, told me, well, for me, it's not necessarily the ones that he's put in the chat yeah. to go watch, but for me personally, they had brought up uh, um, Mad Dog Vachon. Oh, yeah. Really, you know, older guy. That man was crazy. <laughs> him and Scrap told me to go back and watch it. That man was, it yeah. was And I was just watching him and looking through his stories. And I was just like, yo, like the way he just really mm-hmm. like and like just put himself into that character. The way from like from the way he just walked out, you know, to the look in his eyes and all that. It was just like I found myself watching him like days straight, just like trying to kind of take from them but also make it mine yeah of course because you know I, mean? mm-hmm. I don't want to be a carbon copy of anyone yeah of course from make it mine yeah i think you've done a good job with that um where do you kind of like when you first started with the with the character is it how much has it changed since like now like what all has evolved through that over the time so at first it was come out here just act like a dog. Okay. <laughs> you feel bark if yeah. whatever. Um and it was kind of like um in a sense kind of like a playful thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then but as time got on and you know people started investing in me a little bit more and then um I kind of started incorporating my actual background into who I am. As you see, like I walk out with the football jerseys and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so now it's gone from just being, oh, just I'm just acting like a dog. Like, no, like he's this intense. Yeah. He's this intense beast. Yeah. He's always been this. And it's shown in everything he's done from football. You notice I wear boxing shoes. I'm going to upgrade from that. But I wear the boxing shoes because, like, last year I wore t- I won a tough man competition uh-huh. under the nickname Mad Dog in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Yeah. So it's like now I'm just kind of incorporating my actual background yeah. and um, kind of starting to show, like, the more human side of me. Of course. 
character. You feel me? To get people. I'm now I'm I'm trying to work on getting people to relate more to me. Yeah. For all the men more. That definitely makes sense. Um and I, I think you're doing a pretty good job with that. Like I think the last time I saw you was at was it Wrestle Rev not Revival, but uh the like the Battle Royal or was it the one spring break for Firestar? The the most recent one was the battle was uh, the battle royal. It was okay. the Star Rumble. That was the most yeah, recent. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think it, like judge, judging from that, I think you're doing a good job. Um, but can you walk me through what a what a tough man competition is? Like, what are all of the the requirements for that? Oh, so really, a tough man competition is anybody who thinks they're the biggest, baddest. They're the biggest and baddest thing walking out there can come into the ring, throw some gloves on, and prove it. Okay. Um, the rules is you can't be like a professional fighter. You, you can't be, uh, you can't have more than like five amateur fights, uh-huh. you know? Um, and it's just, you were classified into four different weight classes or five. I think it was five. Um, I fought under the 215 weight class. This is up in West Virginia. So, you know, what rough and rowdy is right. Um, yeah. Is it like the barstool? Yeah. So yeah. tough man is like the original. Was, okay that you know what i mean tough yeah. man like um the west virginia like boxing commission they put it on uh-huh. um and you just you simply just register and you show but judging by everybody who show everybody doesn't show up because as soon as it you know pops up yeah. everybody starts to real some people start to realize like, maybe i'm not that tough. <laughs> <laughs> and then um you just getting in there and last you fighting through a tournament bracket, the last person standing wins. And you, um, I won my bracket, the 215 bracket. I got a jacket for it and uh, um, $1,000. Oh, shit. That's nice. Yeah. The runner up got like 500 and a plaque. But it's just, if you think you're tough, come prove it. What What made you want to do that? Like, how did you find that? And like, what made you say, hey, I'm going to go do this? So I boxed a little bit when I was a kid. When I got done with football, like, I knew wrestling was coming up. But I just, like, still wanted to stay, like, in a realm of, like, hard-hitting competition. Uh-huh. So yeah. I went back into um, so I went back into combat sports and everything. There was this gym right around the street from my uh, college. And um, walked in there, and I started doing the boxing and the Muay Thai classes. So I just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And then the training – uh, I just asked him, I was like, yo, is there any sort of competition that I could do just to kind of, you know, see where I was at or whatever? Okay. And then he talked to me about the tough man that was coming up in about two, two and a half months in that area. I was like, screw it. Why not? Is that something that you like trained harder for or were you just kind of continuing to do what you were doing? I trained harder for in the scent, uh in what I did outside of the gym because at the time, like I said, I was coming off playing football. I was like 230. You know, the weight classes after 215, it went from 216 all the way up to 400 pounds. Yeah. Bro, I'm not fighting no 400 pounds. <laughs> no, I'm not fighting Butterbean. I'm yeah, not- I was just about to say Butterbean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. So I had to really discipline myself in the way that I ate and conditioned and all of that stuff. So I dropped the pounds. I remember I weighed in at around 212 pounds that day. Uh. And, like, I was, like, as chiseled as I could be. And... Yeah, just went in and did it. That is awesome. I didn't know that was a thing. And to have, like, like West Virginia of all places is probably 
where I would say like, hey, maybe I don't want to mess with guys from West Virginia. And you just said, <laughs> nah, I'll, I'll take it all. And you end up winning. That's got to be awesome. Um, so you, you've incorporated the boxing into your wrestling persona. Uh, but to go back a little bit, what was your first match like? And who was that against? So my first match was a fatal four-way. It was me versus uh, this guy from Virginia. His name was Watt Sutton. Uh, this, man, this dude, I believe he's based out of Georgia, Teriyaki. Oh, yeah. Indy King JT. And um, it was between us four. Uh, it was really simple, you know, a multi-man match, you know. It ain't much to it. Yeah. Um, It was just a really simple it was three faces, one heel. And I ended up getting the finish on Wyatt Sutton. Um, afterwards, he like shook my hand, kind of gave me like gave, shook my hand, gave me a hug, gave me the nod. Yeah. But I get out. I do a post match interview before I even start talking. Everybody in that crowd at Firestar was barking. That's awesome. And I was just like, "Wow!" Because I went from your music, nothing more terrifying than your first match. Yeah. Right before your music hits. Because all I kept thinking in my head was, they don't know who I am. And I come out as hype as I want to, whatever. They still don't know who I am. Yeah. So I came out there. I brought my energy. Got a few claps. Okay. You, you know how it goes. Got a few claps. Ooh, ooh, ooh. They identify with the people that they've seen before, which is everybody else in the match. But to have that transition to after the fact, um when I hear everybody barking and listening, feeling what I'm saying in my interview after I'm done, they continue to bark. I don't know, man, that did something to me. Yeah. That's awesome. I a lot of people don't have the best first match stories, but to like have people won over after the match, that's gotta feel pretty cool. Um, you mentioned the nerves beforehand. What was that whole day? Like, like, leading um, up to it? I was just, man, I was honestly like dead silent. You know, um, I was just lost in my thoughts. Like, what if I mess this up? What if I forget this? What if I forget that? Man, I really don't want to disappoint Kozone. You know, put us energy into me. Yeah. yeah I, gotta, I was just like, man, what if these people don't like me? What if I'm not good? Like, all of these different things. Yeah. I had the whole drive up there. And then what made it worse is that when I get there, originally, it was supposed to be a triple threat. Mm-hmm. And... We call the match. We do our thing. And I'm like, man, all right, I feel good about it. Next thing you know, Teriyaki walks up. I was like, yeah, so I'm going to put you on matches. I'm fatal four-way now. And then I'm like, so we got to redo this whole thing. And I'm like, of course, my match has to be the one. My first match where it's got to be, you know, just some sort of issue. As of, like, now in my career, I know it's only been a year since I got started. I wouldn't classify that as an issue because I'd be like, okay, we'll just work it like this. That, third. Mm-hmm. That, that being my first time, it was just like, I just want a smooth sailing night. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and that's not what I had. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And the whole time I was just telling myself, you know, hey, man, just go out there and do what you've been trained to do. Yeah. Wouldn't be out there if you couldn't do it. Of course. How how far into your training was your first match? Um, so technically speaking, I was training because I started training while I was playing college football. So I was training since 2019, kind of off and on. Yeah. So I think collectively it was probably about eight months mm-hmm. of actual training, although it was a span of three years. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So uh 
you have this match, the people react to you. You got to be feeling good. Um, moving forward, like, has there been a match where you've got gotten in the ring and you're like, I belong here. I've earned this. Like, what was that first moment like for you? It was, it was when I wrestled Cozone mm-hmm. at um, the Fracture Factory. It was a, um, you know, it's in uh, Wilson Mills, North Carolina. Uh-huh. It was a birthday show put on for Michael Devon. Mm-hmm. So they put me up there and I wrestled Cozone. And ironically, this was a week after I had the worst match of my life. Worst match yeah. of my life ever. And I was like nervous and everything because the way Cozone does us as his students, he's like, we'll call it we're out there. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, bruh. I just had the worst match of my life. Now you tell me I got to call it when we're out there. Why can't we just walk through something, whatever? Yeah. Coach, like, I would try to ask him questions. Coach was funny, man. Intentionally ignored me, which was by design, because yeah. he wanted me to have that confidence. Like, yo, you you can do this. You can be a good work. Relax. Calm down. He yeah. intentionally, like, ignored me all the way up until it was time to walk out the curtain. Yeah. He said, let's go in the most Cozone fashion ever. Walked out there. We went out there. I just listened. And, bro, we just, like, it was, we had a great match. And then Scrap came up to me afterwards. He was like, another dog that I looked up to. Yeah. He comes up to me and he's like, he was just impressed. And then he was just like, and he was like, that was all on the fly. I was like, yeah. He just shook his hand, shook my hand. And I was, yeah. like, I was just like, word. Like, I just felt so good. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Scrapyard Dog, um, who unfortunately isn't with us anymore. Uh, anytime somebody brings him up, I like to just like ask if you have like um, like a memory or a story about him that you just like for people who may not know Scrapyard Dog. What would you tell them? Man, Scrapyard Dog is one of the most genuine people like I've ever met. Talk about somebody who out here that really was trying doing everything he can above and beyond to help you in spite of whatever he had going on or whatever, he really, really, really wants his business to move forward in the most prosperous way possible. And that's just, and he will tell you like it is all the time. Something was ugly and it was bad. He gonna let you know, but something was good. He's going to let you know. Yeah. And it's just, and you know, he doesn't shy away from giving praises where it's due. And he doesn't shy away from giving criticism where it's due, but it's all to always just make sure that the business is left better than he found yeah. it. He's always told us, I want to make sure it's better than, I'm leaving it better than I found it. And that's what his whole goal with us was. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of stories about him doing the same thing, like all the way back to when Rob Kiljoy started, like taking him to shows, buying him meals, like just sounds like just a great guy that I don't like, before we started doing this, I wasn't really aware of, of who he was. And like doing these, we've I've learned like, and I, I don't want anybody else to to be in that situation where they don't know who Scrapyard Dog was. Uh, how was he with your character? Like with him having like the dog, is that like kind of like a like the Andersons, like kind of this like prestigious wrestling thing where like you gotta look out for one another? Um. Yeah, it was. Um, at first, 
at first, of course, as you could probably guess, it was probably just like, oh, Lord, mm-hmm. another dog, somebody out here trying to. But um, I did a practice match <laughs> with Cozy. Uh-huh. Rap was there. And immediately he comes up to me afterwards and he was like, yo, that was dope. But I'm going to help you make it yours, make uh-huh. it unique, and just make it better. And I feel like I have, you know, I have the, I, I have the right to say this. Um, but before he, um, before he passed away, mm-hmm. he had told me he was like, when he retired, before he retired, he wanted to have a match with me, mm-hmm. and he also wanted to give me his chain. That's awesome. Fortunately, he wasn't able to do that. Obviously, yeah, he passed away. But back in January. And this was crazy. It was January. We had a show on my birthday. Mm-hmm. Ironically, that was also the same night where we had our graduates uh, recognition for Firestar. Yeah. And I came out to receive my certificate. And then Cozones stopped it and was like, told the story about how um, Scrap was like really into me and all this stuff. Yeah. And he was like, and he messed, he turned around, reached in the bag, and he gave me Scrap's chain. Because you say you always knew that that's what Scrap wanted. Yeah. And oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So he's, yeah. So like, yeah, he was looking out for me for sure. Is that, do you, is that something like you keep or is that something that you like bring to the ring or is it like something you like have like in a safe space? I, uh, I keep it with me everywhere I go. It's in my gear bag. I do not bring it to the ring with me at all times. I only will ever use that for special occasions. Like when I had the dog collar match with Manny. Yeah. That was the, you know, thus far, that's the only time I've ever uh, used it. But this wouldn't be one of the things because it's special to me. So now it's like, as far as my character goes, if I bring that out, you know, it's this and up somebody in trouble. You feel me? (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. There's a lot of like, think of like Finn Balor, and then you've got like Bray Wyatt, who all you have these like big match personas. So that's cool that you're doing that, and you're also honoring somebody that meant a lot to you in doing so. Um, for the dog collar match, how do you prepare for that? Or like, I guess I'll jump back a little bit. When you pick a dog, like kind of character, are you like? okay, I need to prepare. I'm going to have a lot of these matches over my career, or is that something like that was kind of an afterthought? Um, I, Honestly, it was an afterthought. I was like, I know, I was like, I know what's going to pop up at some point. Uh, um, I didn't expect it to pop up when it did, but I was glad it did. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And trying to have more, to be honest. Yeah. Walk us through like the psychology of planning a a dog collar match like how do you prepare like mentally how do you prepare for for it going to the ring and then once you're doing it how is how does it differ from a regular match so and in um yeah i can hear you okay as far as preparing for it goes um, first things first, you're gonna tell yourself some of this might hurt, so just get over it. Right? Yeah. You gotta just get over it. All right, that's not what this is here for. We're here to put on a great match, great story, great show. Um, second of all, um, 
always wanted to tell myself that the whole story behind this thing is the chain. So the um the story, the psychology behind a dog collar match, or matter of fact, any match uh that has something a special stipulation added to it, but with the dog yeah. collar match, this story began way before that this match was announced. Mm-hmm. So as far as me and Manny goes, he um he always found a the um cheap way out against me. Uh-huh. Now going into this match, uh uh-uh, uh, you can't go nowhere. You can't run. You can't run from me. Feel me? Yeah. So, so like putting the match together and then going into the match, we always wanted to make sure that this chain is the most important thing in this match right now. It's showing like there's no separation from each other. We're gonna have to see who the bigger man is right here in this moment. And despite what type of pain or whatever we're going to have to endure and going through this, it's going to I'm not walking out of here a loser. Uh-huh. I'm not. I will go through whatever pain this chain going to bring me if it means I'm standing over top of you at the end of it. Yeah. That's the story that we telling. But it's like no more running. Who's the bigger man? Who's going to stay here and who's going to show up? Who's going to yeah. go? Were you watching any matches to prepare for that? Did you have like there's like the Valentine uh, Roddy Piper match. There's this was, was this before the Briscoes. Um, I believe it was before the Briscoes, but I remember watching Raven and Punk. Uh-huh. That one right there, you know, that match was insane. It was so bloody, and I was just like, "That's what I want." Just to show like how much you really hate each other. Yeah. Like, like it's just intensity like from the moment they stepped into the ring wrapped them chains around themselves it was just like you knew like it was about to go down of course that's the kind of feeling that i wanted and i feel like me and manny did that and now everybody knows that me and him are in the same room we don't like each other Mm -hmm. we ain't feeling each other yeah story ain't over Cause him and Nick D tried to jump me after the fact. Well, they didn't try to. They jumped me after the fact and beat me with the chain. So the story not over. Yeah, really just beginning. That's awesome. You can really tell like the intensity and the love that you have for like not only your character but for wrestling and the way that you talk, which isn't always the case. But you could tell like that all of your actions and all of your moves are thought out like in advance and how we can best tell the story. Like how can I? best like get the crowd on my side which is really awesome like like i i've said it before like you're kind of a throwback like not something that you see a lot of um but that's a good thing like you're bringing the energy that people necessarily don't have which is really cool um where would you like to take this like in the next year who are some people that you would like to wrestle um like let's say one year and then five years from now hmm. At the top of that list, I want to wrestle fodder. He's always around here. Yeah. I want to wrestle fodder so bad. Psycho Boy versus the Mad Dog. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, Sells itself. That must be something dope. Um, Definitely want to go at – I would love to wrestle Lucky Ali. Oh, yeah. He's so good. Because I, I know brother just going to make me better. Yeah. Like, I want to wrestle Lucky Ali so bad. These are the people within the next year, by the way. Yeah. I would love to go at it with. Um, 
And I definitely want to go at it with TDT. Because that man's been like a big brother to me. This uh-huh. whole time. Um, a lot of a lot of people don't know a lot of stuff wouldn't happen. I wouldn't be where I am right now if it weren't for TDT and his advice at all. Yeah. I would definitely, so I want to go out with him because I, cause I want to show him like, yo, <laughs> your advice worked. I was listening. Yeah, that's Let's awesome. Go. You know yeah. what I mean? As far as the next five years, man, golly, there's a lot of people on my list that I would love to wrestle. I would love to wrestle JTG. Like, oh, yeah. Possibly happen. Like I know I have to put in a whole lot of work, which I'm prepared to do. I don't care to be able to earn that match. I'd love to wrestle JTG. The man's killing it. Yeah. Seen around here in the Indies. And, you know, I've watched him since I was a kid. I went to his seminar and whatnot. Man, I'd yeah. love to go with him. Go at it with him. Um those are the people that I'm just like a dead set on one. Yeah. It's so freaking bad. Anybody else, I take on all comers. Awesome. Yeah, JTG is like I think the last time I saw him was when he wrestled Caprice Coleman uh, at Let Wrestling Live. Mm-hmm. Like, dude is a, a beast. And he, the way he was able to like take like crime time was what it was. Like, if, looking back, like they were kind of given a shitty hand like because he could have done so much. But like be able to like go from that and like when you say JTG, my first thought isn't crime time. It's like this motherfucker who is like, like just a bad motherfucker. Like out of the end, is really cool that he's been able to do that. And I think a lot of people would love that match. Um, is, what would be your dream match? Like if you had one person that you could wrestle? Oh, like over time? Yeah, you could do over time um, if you want to, or like, like people alive today whatever however you want to take the story dream match bruh i would love if i could golly this is tough that's way harder than i thought you just dropped a bomb on me (laughs) um if i could do all time i would love to like freaking wrestle kurt angle Oh, in yeah. the WrestleMania. <laughs> that would be awesome. Because I just know that, man, like, we're just going to go. I love people who can just go. Yeah. Like, let's just go. And that would just be so much fun. Yeah. That, that's a really good choice. I don't think a lot of people would would say anything about that match being bad. So, definitely awesome. Um, and then kind of, like, wrapping things up, um, who are some wrestlers that you think that more people should know on both the men and the women's side? Word. So at the top of that list for me, AC Devon and Dynamite Jackson. Together, they're known as the Devon Dynasty. Uh-huh. Singles, AC Devon, Pretty Boy Psycho, Dazzling Dynamite Jackson. Them two, you want to talk about two dudes that just work hard, mm-hmm. students of the game. That's them two. They are so dedicated to this. It's crazy. And, like, if you're a promoter and you're listening, you want to make your tag team division better, get the Divine Dynasty out there. They, like, will make your tag team. The little things to the big things, whatever, they are students of the game. Yeah. They are phenomenal wrestlers, and they're going to be something big one day. Mm. I just, like, I really want to see them around more, on more posters. Yeah. Um. Who else? Uh, I know you've had some of these people up here. Uh, Manny, I'm gonna just keep saying, oh, 
people don't know how good Manny really is. Oh, yeah. Like Manny is nasty in the ring, yo. Um, he's put in a lot of time in his shows. Yeah. You know? Um, Grant. Grant Watts, like he's insane. He's my guy, and he's like he's gonna be something big one day. And I just I'm so happy for the opportunities that he's had thus far. Yeah. And I pray to God that they continue because he definitely deserves them. He's earned them. Yeah. Um, um, one girl that I'm really high on. Um, she's only had two matches, but I've seen her in training over mm-hmm. this past year. Um, her name is Leah Knight. That's uh-huh. what she goes by in the ring. Just to see the way she's grown from this time last year to now, how she's performed in the two matches and the confidence that she has and then her dedication in the gym and everything. Like, she's going to be – like, just keep on the lookout as far as women's wrestlers in the area. Okay. She's going to be picked up on really, really fast. Yeah, for sure. She just had a, a cool match with um, Sadie Lee Moss at the last DCW show. Yeah. She's so. gonna... Awesome. Um well, this has been great. Um, I think we should add people who should know Blade Brown. If you see him on a card, go out of your way to make sure you see him. Um, love to have you back on. Uh, love to see where you're going to go. Um, so, but when you when you blow up big, don't forget about us. Uh, give us that inside scoop. Um, but yeah, dude, this has been awesome, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Man, I appreciate you, man. I was really looking forward to this, man. Thank yeah, you. Of course, no problem. You have a great night. You too, bro.